If you want a wildly healthy, naturally disease-resistant pet who turns heads and starts conversations with awestruck onlookers, you're right where you belong. This is the Vital Animal Podcast with your host, homeopathic veterinarian, Dr. Will Falconer. Might it be time to stand up, square your shoulders, and fire your veterinarian? This is Dr. Will Falconer, and I'm here with another episode of the Vital Animal Podcast to give you the facts to help you decide. By the end of this episode, you'll be able to judge if you're being taken unfair advantage of, or worse, bullied by your vet, and you'll have solutions. Listen up. Fire your vet? Here's why I ask such a question. I regularly get real-life examples of bad behavior on the part of my colleagues. Embarrassing behavior, actually, and it's happening all too often. I want you to be able to stand up to some of this nonsense and fire any vet who's using coercive or belittling tactics to get your animal yet another vaccine that will be assuming your animal has already received vaccines, even in puppyhood over the age of 12 weeks, yet another vaccine that will be, one, far more risk than benefit, and two, 100% unnecessary in the eyes of anyone who's got even a rudimentary sense of the immune system, which, let's face it, every vet should have. This is an email from Kaylee Demeret. She says, I love your newsletter. Thank you for providing such great content for us. I share your newsletter with all my pet owner friends. Thank you. I'm in the Woodlands, Texas, and wondering if somehow you could recommend a veterinarian for me. My dog, Scout, unfortunately has had diabetes for four years now. From before I had the gumption to give her an all-raw meat and bones diet. She's on whole prey now and doing great. But every vet I take her to around here is so pushy about getting so many vaccines every year. And while her other problems, ear infections, skin problems, etc., have gone away since I changed her diet, the one medication she really does still need is, of course, insulin, which these vets have a tendency to withhold if I don't get all the vaccines and give her the heartworm pills, etc. I just buy them and throw them away because they are so pushy. Is there somebody you know who can take her on as a patient, even at a distance, who will be able to provide an insulin prescription for her without all the extra mandates and dogma? Thank you for your time, Kaylee. Now, did you fully appreciate Kaylee's predicament? First, she's got a chronically ill dog diagnosed with diabetes four years ago. And remember that word chronic just means diseases that last a long time, years and often a lifetime if they're not cured properly. And though she gets high marks for clearing up Scout's chronic ear and skin issues, thanks to making the jump to a raw diet, bravo, she still needs her insulin, right? And the vets are putting up a roadblock to dispensing it unless Kaylee, wait for it, unless she revaccinates her already multiply vaccinated dog, and they are demanding that yearly. Wait, what? 
What's wrong with this picture? Do you smell the greed operating here by these vets? And the endangerment of her already sick dog by giving more vaccines? And yearly? Seriously, that alone is a reason to fire your vet, as that has absolutely zero scientific basis. But let's take these one at a time, because you really need to be smart about this stuff so you're not being hornswoggled by your vet, who <clears throat> you are paying to provide health care for your pet. First, the most obvious, and to me as a member of what used to be an honorable profession, the most egregious. I'm speaking, of course, about annual vaccination. Stay with me here, as this is so basic and such old knowledge that you have to be completely comfortable refusing this nonsense if you truly care about protecting your pet's health. And your vet really should know better. Where does this idea of yearly vaccines even originate? Well, I'll tell you, because 40 years ago, when I graduated vet school, I also practiced like this. It's the label on lots or most vaccines. It says in simple language, repeat annually. But here's the rub. Is that label on all these vaccines based on good science? Or rather, shortcuts and profits? So who writes these labels? Well, as you might guess, it's the manufacturer. The ones who made the vaccine, tested it according to the standard operating procedures in their industry, and put it up for sale. Did their testing indicate immunity from this vaccine, which parenthetically is something your animal creates? There's nothing in that syringe that is called immunity. Your animal has to respond to it and make immunity. If all goes as intended, that's, that's happening. Did their testing indicate immunity from this vaccine, which, by the way, is something your animal creates after being injected, if all goes as intended? Did their testing indicate this immunity disappeared at, say, day 364 after the shot? No. They did not take a titer or in any way establish that immunity had vanished and another shot was needed to maintain your pet's defenses. All they did was test how many dogs or cats or horses resisted the challenge with a live virus blown at them a year after their vaccination. They compared those vaccinated test dogs against controls who were not vaccinated and counted up the ones who didn't get the illness they were vaccinated against. Got that? Did that testing say anything at all about how long your dog or cat or horse would remain immune to that disease? Nope. And who actually knows how long that immunity is likely to last in actual fact? Well, it's a group of people called immunologists. A subset of them are called veterinary immunologists, and a couple you may have heard of are Dr. Ronald Schultz, a PhD out of the University of Wisconsin, and Dr. Richard Pitcairn, a DVM PhD, who taught most of us who practice homeopathy in the vet world. What do these and many, many other immunologists know? Well, just like in the human field, doctors aren't telling you to come in annually to renew your smallpox or measles or mumps or rubella vaccine. 
These immunologists know about something called DOI, or duration of immunity. They all know, whatever their specialty, that immunity in a vaccinated person or animal builds after exposure to a virus, whether they view that virus in the wild or in a syringe, and it lasts a long time. But let's drill down specifically to what the veterinary immunologist had to say in a mainstream textbook called Current Veterinary Therapy. Way back in 1992, back when I was just becoming aware of the dangers of over-vaccinating and the uselessness of vaccinating yearly, as was popular at the time. Here's what Dr. Schultz and fellow immunologist Tom Phillips had to say in the chapter of Current Veterinary Therapy, Volume 11. The heading here is Annual Vaccinations. They say, quote, A practice that was started many years ago and that lacks scientific validity or verification is annual revaccinations. Almost without exception, there is no immunologic requirement for annual revaccination. Immunity to viruses persists for years or for the life of the animal. Now remember, these authors don't sell vaccines. They are scientists from the field of immunology. So, DOI, or duration of immunity, of long years, perhaps lifelong, and zero scientific validity or justification for annual revaccination. Okay, so clearly it's not needed to revaccinate your animal yearly. But doesn't it help some? Some? Well, these authors go on. Furthermore, revaccination with most viral vaccines fails to stimulate an anamnestic response. Let's just throw that $40 word out and say it fails to stimulate a booster response as a result of interference by the existing antibody, similar to maternal antibody interference. And the practice of annual vaccination, in our opinion, should be considered of questionable efficacy, unless it's used as a mechanism to get you into an annual physical exam, or maybe it's required by law. Some states may still have a one-year rabies law, but I would check on that because most have gotten smart and put it out to at least three years. And just as an aside, maternal antibody interference is another common issue I spoke of in episode 11 entitled, Breeders, Please Stop Doing This. It's found at vitalanimal.com slash 11. In short, that says when mom's colostrum antibodies are still present, up to 12 to 16 weeks of age, we know that those antibodies stop a vaccine from working. And so it is if you vaccinate your already immune dog, immune from her earlier vaccines. So, questionable efficacy, say these experts, it means it's unlikely to work. But it won't hurt, right? Right? Well, here's the rub of it. It most certainly does, and even Dr. Schultz and other mainstream immunologists recognize this. And we in homeopathic practice have for decades now. 
Some from the conventional scientists, before I tell you what we see too often in homeopathic practice, we've seen things like autoimmune disease, like the paper I'll have cited in the show notes to this episode called Vaccine-Associated Immune-Mediated Hemolytic Anemia in the Dog by Duval and Geiger. Immune-mediated hemolytic anemia, by the way, means your dog is now, because of the vaccine association, attacking her own red blood cells and has a 50-50 chance of dying of anemia. They also well know about vaccine-associated sarcoma. Lots of papers on that, although now it's conveniently been renamed to eliminate the V word. And other tumors at the site of vaccination in dogs. And kidney autoimmune attack in cats, who are, by the way, the number one species to get kidney failure in the veterinary world. We know that's caused by vaccines carrying kidney protein in them. And we've seen over years of careful observation and homeopathic practice, things like paralysis, often first of the larynx, called LARPAR or laryngeal paralysis and later the rear quarters after a rabies vaccine. And autoimmune attack on connective tissue. This is actually published work. But extending to the common cruciate ligament inflammation that precedes rupture. So when your dog comes limping in on three legs and holding a, a knee up, that wasn't because he stepped in a foxhole and tore that ligament, it's because it had been autoimmune inflamed for some time before that rupture. But by far the commonest sequelae to vaccination is the allergic itchy skin and or ear disease, which have long been the number one and number two reason dogs see vets. The tricky part with this is the onset is often a month post-vaccination. So if you are a vet and not looking beyond 24 to 48 hours after the vaccine, would you even notice this? But look through your records, you'll see it more than not. A month goes by, sometimes two, and the dog is itching, or the dog has inflamed ears. So yes, vaccines can injure or cause disease. That's the biggest reason not to roll over and say, oh, well, if you recommended more vaccines in my already vaccinated pet, what can I say? So let's review. Then we'll go on to the malpractice reason this type of coercion is intolerable in veterinary practice. First, revaccinating the already vaccinated doesn't work, right? Say the immunologists, who, by the way, don't sell vaccines. They also know DOI, or duration of immunity, is years, if not life. So it's unnecessary to revaccinate over and over again. And two, vaccines have serious safety issues, or more plainly said, they can make your animal sick. Say the research studies and many, many observations from vet and pet owners alike. But wait, why did I mention that M word? Malpractice? It's malpractice to vaccinate sick animals. Says who? Says every label on every vaccine that's used in the veterinary world. A commonly overlooked phrase on every vaccine is this, only for use in healthy 
dogs, cats, or ferrets, or horses, then the species are listed only for use in healthy. And Kaylee's Scout has diabetes. I wouldn't classify that as healthy, would you? What are some other examples of not healthy? Well, that itchy allergic skin, or there's inflamed, stinky, painful ears, remember? These are the number one and number two reasons that dogs go to see vets. Hypothyroidism, where they're taking a hormone daily, arthritis, kidney disease, heart disease. Let's just make it real simple. Is your pet on a dose of any medicine? How about a prescription diet? That means they are not healthy, right? Are you with me here? And it's malpractice to vaccinate the unhealthy. And Kaylee, bless her heart, was being told she couldn't get her needed insulin without revaccinating. Crazy, greedy, wrongheaded, and embarrassing for my profession to be acting this way. So what to do? First and foremost, fire that vet and search one out who's honest and has your animal's health placed well above his bottom line. Bonus points if you tell him why he's fired. But at a minimum, drop out of that practice and stop paying a vet who's supposed to be watching out for your animals. What sense does it make to pay someone who's a bad actor and endangers your animal's health? On what planet would that make any sense at all? All right, what can you do? Well, I mentioned this in my free rabies masterclass. But a sympathetic vet is one way to go. Even as Kaylee suggests, if that vet is at a distance to you. When I was in full-time homeopathic practice for decades, I had clients all over the place, many of whom I had never met. Yet with the careful application of the practice of homeopathy, I was able to unravel often tough cases and help animals get cured when conventional medicine had let them down. And parenthetically, they'd often spent thousands of dollars trying. And I was often the primary physician. I'll have a link in the show notes to my recommended resources page where I describe how to choose a qualified homeopathic veterinarian to be your primary physician. That person can, yes, write you a prescription for insulin or whatever you need. As I wrap this up, I want you to know that you have power. When you fire someone who's been on your payroll for stealing your money, you have not only made a statement, but you've impacted that crook's bottom line. Now, I'd suggest you go further and tell your friends and neighbors about this, whether that's in person or on your social media channel of choice. When enough people stand up to a bad actor like this, it hurts his bottom line and may drive him from the marketplace. Or assuming there's still some conscience left in him, it could result in a behavior change to upholding the veterinary oath, which is, as you might guess, to help animals, not harm them by coercing more vaccines than are absolutely necessary. That's powerful. It's called voting with your wallet, and even better, spreading the word in your circles that this person is not worthy of anyone's hard-earned money. Well, that's it for this episode. 
For more info and links, do be sure to visit the show notes for this episode, which is number 39, by simply typing in your browser, vitalanimal.com slash 39. vitalanimal.com slash 39. Till next time, keep on watching out for those animals who depend on you to make wise choices for them. This is Dr. Will Falconer from vitalanimal.com. 